only thing that's going to save Man United and get them back to a level where they're going to win a league is if Klopp leaves Liverpool and Guardiola leaves City. <laughs> that's what they can pray for. Uh, it's interesting what you're saying, but no, it's not. It's not true. OTB AM live weekday mornings from seven thirty on the OTB Sports app. Well, hello. So we'll have John Duggan from Cheltenham very shortly. Irish winners are plenty, including a long-awaited champion chase for Willie Mullins. We have Wednesday Night Rugby. Andy Nicholl will give us the Scottish perspective ahead of the game on Saturday. Keen Tracy of the Irish Independent will be in studio. On the football front, it is a Champions League evening, of course, and, and there is the bonus of Arsenal against Liverpool in the Premier League both with lots to play for 53106 the text number we're at off the ball on Twitter Richie McCormack is there hello even Joe and very exciting news first time in this is whoa is that two metres in 3D this is the first time we've been in studio together in I think it probably is two years two years two years there's a lot of firsts of two years I was just wandering around town for the last 45 minutes uh huh a lot of people around. It's the Busy. eve of St. Patrick's Day. It's yeah. full of foreign voices. It's magic. I was driving in and I saw two people walking up the footpath with suitcases. Oh my God. And they're all wearing green hats. Yeah. We're all, we can all be cynical again and go, <laughs> really? You get that excited about it? Yeah. No, so there you are in 3D. Looking well. Well, the last two years haven't gone well. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, so what's going on? What's catching your eye in the world of sport? It's catching my eye. I'm Go looking on. forward to tonight. Oh, yeah. uh, Arsenal, Liverpool. It's always... I find Premier League, certain Premier League fixtures follow a pattern and some you know are always going to be good and some you're never quite sure about. And Arsenal, Liverpool always... Well, it always seems to bring the best out of Liverpool. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if Arsenal can sort of end that trend and offer something different. Yeah. Uh, Last time, Joe, the two sides met in the Premier League with both of them having won their last five Premier League games? Yeah. It's a tough question. Yeah. Arsenal-Liverpool 2009. 4-4 Arshavin? 4-4. I was at it. Nice. I was at it. I brought my dad over. He was on a good... He's an Arsenal fan. He was on a good trend. First match ever was Arsenal... Liverpool 4, Arsenal 4. Mm. And the next one was Liverpool 3, Arsenal 3. Nice. Which was Stephen Colker playing up front for Liverpool for the last five minutes, which was a strange time for everybody. The 2022 vintage of both can only point to a good game without wanting to jinx the whole thing. But I mean, Arsenal at the moment are a joy to watch. (laughs) I've been listening to a lot of the analysis. I did commentary on Sunday of the game against Leicester. And yeah, they are. They're they're growing and they're doing something as a counter-attacking side. But like Leicester, quite often it popped up that previous 15 minutes, Leicester had 80% of the possession. Mm. Like they were, it was an almost complete flip of what we would have thought of these two teams three or four years ago where Leicester were such a brilliant counter-attacking force which they can't really do with Vardy out injured. Mm. But Arsenal, it, maybe it speaks to the confidence that they have. They seem comfortable with letting other teams have the ball knowing that like Ramsdale made a massive impression, great shot stopper, has a presence defensively doesn't feel like there's any messers there. Yeah. Doesn't feel like something is going to go horrifically wrong at any moment. And then, as I heard Kenny Cunningham this morning talking about the three players behind the striker oh. are as good as any team right now. And Smith Rowe, who might be the best of them, coming off the bench. So, team news out in about 10 minutes. I think yeah. Arsenal are definitely on on the right track and tonight will be a good test. And I, I don't go along really with the sense that Liverpool have to win tonight. I think Manchester City dropping points actually eases the pressure on Liverpool a little bit that yeah. like, they're not going to win every game mm. they're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season so they need City to draw a few matches but if they could win tonight and they generally do perform against Arsenal the, the old Arsenal even the Arsenal of six months ago that mm. come at Liverpool they just eat them alive mm. if Arsenal are like, does that work against Liverpool allowing them to have Wiggle 70% up. possession 
I'm not quite sure I'm not quite sure he can survive for 90 minutes but like this is a good proper test of where yeah. Arsenal are right now and if Liverpool can win tonight and beat Watford in their next game they're top of the league mm. changes the dynamic of the whole race Odegaard is very special he, it's a brilliant story though it's a brilliant story because I saw him about three years ago he played out in Tala with the Norway under 21s and the first thing you do is go oh Martin Odegaard signed for Real Madrid when he's 15 and was like is there a comparison you can make of somebody who was as talked about at 15 like, it was a huge deal he was playing first team football in Norway he was around the international side like he was destined for greatness yeah and never really happened for him at Madrid I know he's had some loan spells where you know it started to come together but even when he was at the Norwegian on 21s I was sort of thinking god it felt like he'd fallen away completely that you know this was a guy who you know looked at life a different way maybe but Freddie Adu Freddie Adu <laughs> Freddie and it's worked out better for Martin Odegaard than it has for Freddie Adu there's no doubt about that uh, yeah so like he's taken a long path he's still only 23 but because we've known about him for seven eight years you did wonder whether it would ever happen and Oof, it's happening it's happening every time he gets on the ball the, the next the next step for Arsenal is going to be fascinating in that can they add a striker is Lacazette going he probably won't go maybe he will go but he they're not going uh, he's out of contract they're not going to be comfortably top four next season and getting closer to Liverpool and City without somebody mm. who can score like a Calvert-Lewin a Calvert-Lewin at like Everton get relegated Calvert-Lewin's available you're going after Calvert-Lewin I think he's definitely capable of that level and then add a midfielder maybe another defender Like they probably are in a very strong position yeah. seem to have a solid manager but Odegaard is when they can get him on the ball that was the only thing you watched them the last day going it's a bit of a waste of those three letting the opposition have so much possession because like they're having to do it very quickly and rapidly and that's what a lot of good modern football is but I think if they could find a way of actually controlling a game and maybe that's the next day like when you think where they've come from mm. but yeah he's yeah he's, Beautiful. he's a bit special appreciation of space and just three yards that way and suddenly the two men in front of him have disappeared and he's just constantly got time on the ball and technique so he's beautiful player so it's nice that Arsenal aren't dull as ditchwater again I'd really become well that's uh, I heard you mention it in uh, pre-match with Kenny Cunningham before the commentary of it took us about three years of terrible football under Arsene Wenger for people to go geez Arsenal aren't that exciting <laughs> anymore and then we've had five six years of nothingness really where you can't trust them yeah. like you know five years without Champions League football now it enters a different phase very quickly when you're suddenly the team being hunted sure and for them not to get Champions League football a point ahead three games at hand is suddenly yeah. disastrous yeah meanwhile Manchester United continue to do very well <laughs> oh yeah pretty bad yeah it wasn't great it was good so for the first 20 minutes and it was so obvious I mean Ronaldo was popping up in the left wing I'm not sure what this plan was was it like let's try and tire out Ronaldo who's played 90 minutes for us on mm. the weekend so you just do a load of running in the first 20 and of course for the first 20 it worked out very well and they were definitely on top and then as soon as they dropped off a touch Atletico looked around and said oh yeah we're okay here and found their way into the game and once Atletico scored I didn't really actually think Manchester United would come back into it No and Atletico Madrid are nowhere near No Even of this week two years ago when they played Liverpool and felt still had a nastiness to them like that that, that sort of shithousery that we talk about with Atletico yeah. Madrid they didn't really indulge in it massively yeah no. they stayed in the ground for five seconds longer but they never had to get really filthy last night No, and United never pushed them to that 
and it was a very forgettable game. It was a weak exit where they did they lay a glove on them. Oh. Like the the goal sort of summed them up. Like Langa has to be stronger. Yeah, has to be stronger. And then he's got to chase back. But neither of those things happen, and those mistakes are happening all the time. And like the conversation afterwards, the conversation afterwards on on BT, I don't know if you saw with yeah. Ferdinand Hargreaves and Scholes was enlightening in that. None of them have any answers. No. None of them have really anything well, new to say. Or Hargreaves just said, "Yeah, it's a complete rebuild. <laughs> we're, we spent a billion, and we're at square zero." Exactly. And Scholes, Scholes made a valid point. I think that like, there's no guarantee with Ten Hag or Pochettino or any of these managers mm. coming in that suddenly they're going to bridge a 20, 30 point gap. When City, all the speculation is they're going to sign Erling Haaland. That they're going to get even better. The United's rebuild is astronomical right now where set, probably need a new goalkeeper like mm-hmm. De Gea is a goalkeeper for when you're under pressure and making saves not a goalkeeper for front, front foot football mm-hmm. their wing backs are nowhere near what other top teams are doing with their wing backs mm-hmm. Harry Maguire seems so crushed it feels like they need a new centre half mm-hmm. Declan Rice needs to come in in midfield mm-hmm. and the attacking positions that felt six months ago very assured there's obviously things happening there that are completely out of their hands but Rashford's form has dipped. Like the, the spell in the 94th minute and the ball comes to Rashford on the right-hand side and everyone's waiting. And he just shrinks. He doesn't want to cross it in. He's looking for some support. And he gives it to Manja Matic. The Manja Matic is the player swinging the cross in instead of Marcus Rashford. Like It's madness. Ronaldo might go. Cavani is going. Like there's 200 million that needs to be spent on the forward line alone. And that was the area at the start of the season we looked at United and thought. Yeah. Actually, they came second last season. They've added Ronaldo. They've added Sancho. They're a brilliant counter-attacking team. Maybe they can close the gap. So oh, it's evaporated. Thank God they have Fred. That's all I would have said about <laughs> last Fred, night. Fred is... He was great. Re- like, he can get his, away with a Fred. He's redondo. Yeah. Somewhere like somewhere in the world, Henningberg shuddered watching that. <laughs> Honest to God. Uh, we should start the news round, which is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And Richie, you have got the story in Cheltenham. Well, we should say, if anyone missed Cheltenham today, if they were hard at work, very, 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 very miserable weather. Yeah, delighted for everybody who went over there, to be fair. Day two of the Cheltenham Festival firmly belongs to the rain and firmly belongs to Willie Mullins. Today's treble brought his career total of wins at the festival to 82. Pride of place among them belongs to Energiman with the 5-2 shot making the most of the heavy conditions to win the Queen Mother Champion Chase. It had been the only grade one at Cheltenham to have so far eluded Mullins. Odds on favourite Shishkin was pulled up in that race, but Nicky Henderson saying afterwards he couldn't cope with the ground. But that wasn't the case for Energiman, according to Mullins. Today, you know, uh, it wasn't about tactics so much. I think uh, Shishkin just didn't handle that ground, so Nico wisely pulled him up. And I was just very disappointed to see Shaq and Porsoir going out of the race early. But at all stages, Paul was just travelling the horse, loving conditions here. Um, you know, extre- these extreme conditions probably suit him better. I mean, that was the story of the day. Richie, I don't know how much uh, you got to watch of it, but certainly after the first win for Sir Gerhard, Willie Mullins was saying, I think the rain is going to be good for our horses. We felt the ground was good yesterday. It was yesterday. a glint in his eye. Yeah, he said maybe yeah. a little bit too good for us. And there was talk of it getting a bit fast <laughs> last night. It's proper national hunt weather today anyway. On yesterday's ground, if we were at home, maybe we mightn't have run. I was, I'm much happier with this. And so the build up to the challenge chase was very much for the preceding 25 minutes on the coverage well, how do you beat Shishkin? You can't really. No one's going to beat Shishkin. It's kind of impossible. They can throw everything at him, but it's not going to happen. And he's the runaway favourite. Race starts. And he, even in advance of the race starting, ears were pricked. He was looking, you know, very lively and, and, and good fettle. And yeah. 
by the time they'd got to the first fence, already the commentator was saying, yeah. something's wrong with Shishkin. To the point where yeah, people great. thought there was an injury. And, you know, the first question to Nicky Henderson was, like, is Shishkin OK? And he was like, yeah, it's just the ground. He can't run in that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was soup, essentially, that they were running in by the time half three came around this afternoon. And, it, like, if I was a betting man and if I had seen that interview with Willie Mullins after the Ballymore, where he was asked about the conditions uh, turning and the ground conditions going from towards soft and definitely then towards heavy by the time off came at half three, like I would have been lumping on whatever he had going in that race and you know that would have been Shaq and Bursaw or then an argument because he as much like you know, like we, we've all known like working in sport for as long as we have like Willie Mullins gives absolutely nothing away like cards are held closely to the chest so much so you think they're implanted in him but like he couldn't help but have a glint in his eye when asked about his chances in the in the Queen Mother this afternoon but then again like it is as we mentioned before the one race the one grade one that had eluded him up until today so it all could have gone um, arse over teacup yeah. for him but it didn't and uh, the race of the life for um, for his uh, geo there today and uh, Paul Townend with a remarkable victory yeah so you have his other wins then Sir Gerhard we mentioned yeah Sir Gerhardt in the Ballymore Novices chase the first race of the day and then favourite Fasil Vega won the champion bumper the closing race of the afternoon uh, there was to be no fairy tale ending to the career of Tiger Roll though beaten into second by statement by Delta Work in the Glen Farkless chase his Jig and Sound owners confirmed afterwards that it was Tiger Roll's final ever race and one of those owners Michael O'Leary spoke to her own John Duggan it is bittersweet uh, you know it's very hard to have a winner in Cheltenham the festival and feel slightly disappointed by the outcome uh, I thought jumping the last you know it was going to happen uh, and then I said Jack creeping up said please Jack let him win let him win Jack is right like he's on his horse he wants to win the race himself it's a great result for Gordon to have a 1-2 in the race but you know I'm a little bit disappointed that Tiger didn't uh, we didn't finish in the fairy tale ending this is it now for Tiger. Yeah, that's it. No, he's home to Jiggin Sound, you know, uh, in about a month's time. Gordon's going to rug him off. He's 12. He owes us nothing. I mean, and he as I said, like, yeah, he's gone out like a warrior on his shield. It's been a wonderful horse. Eight years ago, he won a Triumph Hurdle here. Yeah, I mean, uh, we bought him to be a Triumph Hurdler, you know, never thinking that, uh, you know, not only been a Triumph Hurdle at National Hunt, our amateur riders, National Hunt four miler here, and then three, he's won three cross countries and been second twice. He's a phenomenon, and they, uh, you know, the two Adrian Grand Nationals are almost an afterthought. And to have a 50-1 winner here today, and this winner, Delta Work, you're going to enjoy this evening? Uh, we always enjoy I mean, any winner here at the festival is incredibly difficult to find. It's, but we've had a great day, you know, slightly the wrong way around in the cross-country, but hopefully with Delta Work, we have Tiger's replacement. We'll be joined by John a little bit later on this hour. And again, with Tiger Roll, the weather was just all-encompassing today. Uh, Tiger Road, by the time the race started, had drifted out to second in the betting from being, you know, the runaway leader in advance. It was just that kind of day. Well, Tiger Road's not going to win in this weather effectively. Push, like pushed Delta Work very, very close, but ultimately just fell away in the last uh, 200 yards. Feels a bit low key this year. Yeah. Cheltenham. It was low key last year. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't low key two years ago, it turned out. Yeah. I was just thinking when you mentioned Atletico two years ago, this is the night Jurgen Klopp walked out of the tunnel and was angrily telling fans put your hands away stop trying to high five me well I, I I remember sitting at home watching that match and it was probably peak uh, I won't say depression as overstating it but sitting on the couch going what's the point of this does it matter because you knew it, it was really being wrapped up well it just felt at that stage that obviously life was going to change quite dramatically uh, and it did and maybe with Cheltenham it's a similar scenario this time around where no, there's so much on. else <laughs> wait, wait, this time around, where there's so much else going on in the world that's 
uh, it's hard to get uh, too enwrapped well, there, in I the think, celebration. Yeah, everyone's walking around with a, a particular level of perspective at the moment, aren't mm. they? Probably part of it. You can have too, as I think we said during COVID, you can have too much perspective at times, which means actually it's hard to enjoy anything, yeah. uh, which you don't necessarily want to get into, but you do want to keep a, a reasonable level of, of that, I guess. But uh, yeah, Tiger Roll is one of those horses that, you know, the layman knows that people who aren't yeah. thinking about horse racing and they don't come around very often and they're really important to racing it's a great shame that Tiger Roll didn't get to go to Aintree and do whether it was the three in a row or whether win it three times uh, but I think uh, mm. a nice retirement awaits I would think so I would think so Gordon Elliott did have another winner on top of that today Rich uh, as you mentioned there, the second part of Gordon Elliott double, 50 to 1 outsider, Commander of Fleet won the Coral Cup, 9 to 4 favourite, Long Press won the Brown Advisory Novices Chase today, and Global Citizen was a winner of the Grand Annual Chase at a price of 28 to 1. Now, the football scene, Rich? Yeah, Liverpool away to Arsenal in the Premier League, knowing a win tonight will take them to a point of leaders Manchester City. The team news is in for this one. Uh, Arsenal, as expected, start with Aaron Ramsdale in goal, a back four, Cedric Suarez, Ben White, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney in midfield, the duo of Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka. Uh, two of Jurgen Klopp's favourites in behind the front man there tonight uh, Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli either side of Martin Odegaard and Alex Lacazette is up front for Arsenal for Liverpool Mo Salah is on the bench so they start with Alisson in goal Trent Alexander-Arnold Joel Matip Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson they're there back four in midfield then we've got Fabinho Jordan Henderson and Thiago Alcantara and the front three of Sadio Mane uh, Luis Diaz and Diogo Jota oh, kick off Salah is at 8.15 on the bench he picked up an injury at the weekend Did so you're Klopp said yes he never misses a game yeah. but they're coming so quick they've got a cup game at the weekend I presume he just doesn't want to take a risk they'll still be licking their lips I think with whether Mane has I'm trying to think what way they line up Mane has played as sort of the nine at times over the last few weeks Jot obviously can play in there as well whichever of Mane or um, Jota Jota yes. or, or Diaz who plays on the left is going to be looking at Cedric and thinking we can get at him all day long. And I'm not surprised at all to see Thiago in there because, again, I expect, like Leicester, Liverpool will have even more possession today, mm. which makes it a very comfortable game. They won't. Like, Chaka and Party are not going to press that Liverpool midfield. Thiago will have a lot of time in the ball and that this is the perfect game for him to just control it in the middle. At Chelsea, meanwhile, I would presume Richie have spent €19,999 on tonight's game. Yeah, we should mention as well, there is one other game in the Premier League tonight. It's at half seven and sees Brighton entertaining Tottenham. Matt Doherty, <clears throat> Tottenham's player at the moment, uh, starting once again for Antonio Conte's side. And as you mentioned, I think, there, Chelsea I think Harry Kane's the probably <laughs> their player at the moment. But I love where your head's at. Young man, son is like, I'm <laughs> ripping so it up, well. but not Matt Doherty. He's been playing so well. It's all they're talking about so over well. there, Matt Doherty. It's Matt Doherty or Dejan Kulisevsky for me, Joe. That's all I want to know about. As I mentioned, a half-seven start there. Chelsea, meanwhile, looking to reach the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They have taken a 2-0 lead with them to France for the second leg of their last 16 tie with Lille. A couple of changes from the weekend and they're outing against Newcastle. Eduard Mendy starts in goal. Uh, then they've got a back three of Andreas Christensen, Thiago Silva and Antonio Rudiger. Cesar Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso provide the width either side of a midfield that contains N'Golo Kante, Jorginho and Matteo Kovacic. And up front it is Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic. The other last 16 tie is in Turin and sees Juventus and Villarreal resume level at a goal apiece and both of those games start at eight. Okay, updates across the evening. Now, the Saudis have uh, responded to everybody who said, well, that's dead in the water after Phil Mickelson's comments. Yeah, uh, IU last night saying this is dead in the water. I did uh, think the it Saudi- was. 
you, there you go. Greg Norman, first of all, put out a statement or indeed a, a circular to the players on both tours today. And that was followed by final confirmation that the Saudi-backed LIV Golf Invitational Series snappy title is to begin the week before this year's US Open. The controversial series will stage its first tournament at the Centurion Golf Club in St. Albans, just outside London. Uh, there'll be eight events in all, the final one being a team event. But the tour is still to confirm any of its competitors. Four of those tournaments will be played in the United States with a purse of over over 22 million euro on offer at each tournament and signing on fees of 27 million for those willing to risk lifetime bans from the PGA and DP World Tours. Yeah, pretty interesting. So it kicks off the week before the US Open June 9th. Uh, so several US courses, as Richie mentioned, including nationally, naturally uh, Trump National. First thing that stood out. You know, you got to get you, you, what this, this thing wouldn't feel right without a, tr- a Trump course in there. Uh, the interesting question mark I suppose is they are promising 48 players we don't know a single one of these players yeah this this news sort of broke just after we recorded Golf Weekly today which and was really helpful <laughs> <laughs> we have like, we have dedicated hours upon hours to talking about this and trying to figure out what might happen I've spent more hours in this than Greg Norman and even when it was released today I was still confused because what is the Saudi League, what is the Asian League, what is the Premier Golf League, when they announced recently they were going to play tournaments in the UK, but said there was a prize fund of two million. They announced they were going to play tournaments in America with a different prize fund. But this seems to be a completely different concept completely to all of that. My guess is they thought they were heading for the big time with Mickelson and a couple of other names. Bryson, Westwood. Justin Johnson. Mm. Mickelson does his thing, those scary mother uh, with Shipnook, whole thing goes up in smoke. No big US names want to touch them. So then they go, Oof, let's take our original, not a very exciting plan for some of these lesser events around the UK and elsewhere, and let's meet in the middle somewhere. So pump all the money in. Like 20 million sterling for the first event in London means it's the biggest purse in golf history. When you, uh, yeah, you do. So we had 20 million at the Players' Championship, but that was dollars. Yeah. And obviously Sterling's worth a lot more. And it underlines, again, when we talk about sports washing and how this survives, money isn't an object. So this doesn't need to make money to be successful. There is no long-term plan over the next 10, 20 years. There's no business plan behind this to mean that it actually needs to wash its own face. Actually, all they need to do is be able to continue it. And they have the money through the Saudi backing to actually go with this over the next three, four years and be slow about it. I suspect what they're trying to do and could be way off is they need 48 players. So what you do is the top players are in a position where right now they don't want to commit. But you say to world number 60, you say to world number 60, you say to Anir Banlahiri, who came second in the Players' Championship, who's well known around the world, has would have a big, strong fan base, but who wouldn't be a big name on the PGA Tour. Why don't you come and compete here? Actually, four or five of the guys around the European Tour aren't well known. Why don't you come and play here? Who do you But think then, what happens then is... Everyone's like, they're getting 20 million. So suddenly the top players are going, wait a second. Yeah. He just won. I could have rocked up there at my B game and won that tournament and won three and a half million quid, but he's getting it. Yeah. I want some of that. No, that's the, I, I that, agree that's with you. Exactly. The, that's, I presume, what the plan is here. So I would expect for some of these tournaments, 
if you are in that and we, we on Golf Weekly we talk about this a lot like there's the top 20 where you are not just set up for life your generation after generation is set up for life with the money you're making top 50 you are a multi multi-millionaire but below that it goes down quite quickly and if you're outside the top 100 in the world like golf can be a bit of a struggle you're spending 100, 200 grand a year on flights, expenses not everything is sponsored and those guys I'd say oh, like, and you can't and blame them and when we've been critical I think of this tour and what could happen we've always sort of said if you're in that if, if you have a decision that is actually going to change your life it's very hard to turn that money down it's the players who could have played at Pebble Beach and contended who can pick and choose their events around the world who are choosing to go with this that I would be critical of but if you're the world number 130 and you're offered to play a 20 million event where you haven't a hope in hell of getting into the players championship I think it's difficult to look at those players and say you know Morally, you shouldn't do this. I'm just curious to see who their highest profile player is when it's unveiled. Like, if it's like Joel Damon or something, then I don't know. Like, dude, again, it's the week before the US Open, so no serious player is going to play Lee Westwood in the UK Westwood signed a the week before. Agreement. Well, Westwood, nothing has been really heard from Westwood since he signed the non-disclosure agreement. That's the nature of these things. God damn it. <laughs> He's gone very quiet since that non-disclosure. Agreement. Well, but obviously since then, the Phil Mickelson interview has happened. Uh, Henrik Stenson, who we thought was going in with the Saudi League, has been announced as the European Ryder Cup captain. Things have changed rather quickly. Mick just typed through to me, this is a long golf chat, and I fear he has a point. <laughs> Mick's been away a while, hasn't he? You've got a full night. To, Mick, we, we John Duggan. No. Listen, we had one of those great moments in Golf Weekly today where at the very end, Joe was like, was that two hours? Yeah, no, it went on way too long today. Uh, so some, some, some texts in. It went on too long without the Saudi chat. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, nothing to talk about. Can't believe this news broke just afterwards. Gary Murphy was God, on. It was very talent. interesting. We had loads of good stuff. Uh, Liverpool's run of fixtures has been unbelievably easy. We'll see now if they're for real or not. I think we can say Liverpool are for real. Like, can we? I like, think we're well stage. past. Yeah. Like, but the text is, I'm very sceptical. <laughs> not impressed. League win, Champions League. Let's see. Let's see if this is all hot air. Uh, Spurs win every second game, but also only after five days rest. They lost their last game, but it was only four days. Now I don't know what to think. That is a sensational point. Did you see that stat? Well, that and I, I was looking at that analysis that uh, when they get time and Conte can focus solely on the opposition and doing his training session, which they win. sounds bloody difficult where he stops at every 25 seconds and there's yeah. no opposition you're playing against. In those seven games where they've had five days, they have six wins and a draw. The draw, I think, against now, Liverpool. Everything is focused on the players. And, well, listen, the players are soft. The players are very spursy. Surely, at some stage, Antonio Conte needs to be able to condense five days into four days. Do you think it's three days. Do you think it's Conte work or do you think they just need the rest to implement the Conte game plan? I think it's more the latter. Because the Conte game plan is very demanding. But, I, I don't think he's doing outrageous analysis. But is, he, is, is his game plan more demanding than Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola? A smaller squad. And less quality. Yeah, Liverpool don't rotate massively. Manchester mm. City don't rotate massively. Ah, they, do. they do have. They, they do. do. They do. City. Well, actually, do you know what both of them do? Because the midfield of Liverpool, you'd be hard pressed to find a Change, Liverpool midfield every week. This season, but when in their title-winning season, they weren't rotating their no, squad no, no. every week. And that's true. And they were now. still able to play. Like it's an advantage to them now that they can rotate. Yeah. And maybe the Tottenham players have had since Pochettino left a sort of 18-month spell of not being pushed Fine. in anyway. I'm not having City don't rotate. These plucky 11 lads who keep going out every ah, week. I, I, <laughs> Come on. There is like rotation, but there's players who are always there pretty much. Rodri's there, De Bruyne is there. 
Like, these are key parts of it. Rodri doesn't do anything. He just jogs around. I'm but joking. That's the style of play. They have a control of it. Yeah, but a lot of rotation. Is, there, is there no way that Conte should be able to find a way of changing? He'll get there. Always in a, a Leicester Manning style of play. Mm. No, it's Conte. We're going to burn bright. I get that. I get that. Uh, we should rip through some stories, Richie, for, for two minutes here. Blitz through whatever you want because there's a few bits okay, and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Zuma will be prosecuted under the UK's Animal Welfare Act. The West Ham defender was filmed by his brother Johan kicking one of his cats last month. The Zuma brothers will both face prosecution from the RSPCA with a first court date still to be confirmed. And Newcastle boss Eddie Howe has defended his right not to answer questions on the club's Saudi owners. He has been criticised for not giving his opinion about the Gulf Nations appalling human rights record. Howe says he doesn't feel comfortable talking about subjects on which he's not educated. I understand. I think it's a difficult one uh, for everyone concerned. I understand the questions have to be asked. Um, We've got no problem with that. I think from my perspective, and I've always maintained this, my specialist subject is football. It's what I know. It's what I've trained to do. Um, As soon as I deviate from that into an area where I don't feel qualified to have a huge opinion, I think I go into dangerous ground. So I prefer to stick to what I, I believe I know. I'm hugely proud to to represent this football club and the supporters in the city. And I'm trying to create a team the city can be proud of and all my energy is going into that and will continue to. Yeah, I mean, he's kicking to touch one way or another. It's not the worst effort. <sighs> it's better than what came before, but I struggle to see how long Eddie Howe can personally put up with these questions. I think Surely at some stage there's again, a breaking though. point. Will they? Yeah, I just think that's the nature of these things. It, It'll be another hot topic very soon. Because he wasn't getting these questions. He's been so unconvincing. Smart. And listen, the obvious answer is that you know Saudi Arabia money is acceptable in every other part of British society. So are you questioning them? Then does do anybody get emotionally or does anybody morally care about other businesses away from football clubs? They don't. So I don't think he's done himself any favours and I don't think that makes it any better I don't have the answers to what he should say no that's the thing that is the thing I don't know why I, I, like if he was just come to us and say what's the PR advice I don't know like it's a, it, it, it's it's far more difficult than even the Thomas Tuchel Roman Abramovich answer because like this is the Saudi state that is owning Newcastle United it's yeah. not whereas Thomas Tuchel can sort of point to Roman Abramovich as one individual not being the Russian state while he was a supporter and is a supporter yeah. it's it's but like there's no way Eddie Howe, as thoughtful as he comes across, has not looked to educate himself in any way. Like, you know, taking us for fools, saying that he hasn't looked into this and asked. He must have sat through hours of meetings with PR advisors as they try and come up with an answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's tricky. It is tricky. We are out of time, I'm afraid. Richie, thanks a million. Nice and lads. Nathan Murphy in 3D. Full on 3D. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, Joe.